I'm Shannon Bream. I'm Tom Shalou. I'm Maria Bartiromo, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, March 20th, 2020. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. FEMA is now in charge of the federal response to the virus. That is supposed to help streamline things, but a former FEMA director says even at this stage, we've learned some hard lessons from our response so far. We've got to go back and help citizens understand that they are the true first responder for anything that they face, whether it's an active shooter event, whether it's a cyber crime, whether it's a hurricane, or whether it is the virus. I'm Dave Anthony. While senators try to work out a new way to help Americans hit hard financially by the coronavirus, We talked to one who has to work from home under self-quarantine. I am about a block away from the Capitol. I can see the Capitol uh, dome from uh, my window, but uh, I am quarantined, confined to my 300-square-foot palatial uh, studio. And I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, is now in charge of the U.S. response to the COVID-19 virus. The FEMA now is fully engaged at the highest levels. Today, FEMA is activated in every region. We are at level one, level one being the highest level. President Trump talked to the state's governors at FEMA headquarters as the agency took the reins. Governors like Louisiana's John Bell Edwards. I'm asking for uh, help in terms of surging our medical capacity Here in Louisiana, we've got some requests in. For example, we have a VA hospital uh, in New Orleans uh, where we've requested to be able to surge patients there. We haven't received the response yet. We're going to speak to uh, the VA. We're going to see if we get immediate. At least there's a switch, but we'll get that approved for you one way or the other. While there is testing underway on a vaccine, more immediate help may be on the way. President Trump says they're reviewing drugs that other countries are using and are looking at drugs already approved for other uses, like malaria, for use in fighting this virus, specifically chloroquine. But the nice part is it's been around for a long time. So we know that if it if if things don't go as uh, planned, it's not going to kill anybody. The FDA says that drug, along with others like remdesivir, still need further clinical study. Vice President Mike Pence said certain medical gear and equipment is being ramped up, courtesy of companies like Honeywell and 3M. Those companies have now greatly increased by the tens of millions their production of so-called N95 masks that will give our healthcare workers the protection that they need. He says they have liability protection now and can sell directly to hospitals. A House and Senate-approved package signed by the president provides things like free COVID-19 testing and expanded unemployment insurance. Lawmakers were next working on a financial aid package to give families money directly. Dr. Deborah Burks says testing has increased dramatically and shows stricter isolation and containment measures are needed depending on where cases are. Over 50 percent of the cases come from three states. This is why we continue to prioritize testing in those states. In addition, 50% of the cases come from 10 counties. When it comes to what those states and counties need, FEMA is in charge of getting resources to them. So basically, FEMA is the only agency in the country that has the ability to manage incident command for an event of this magnitude. Brock Long is the chairman at Haggerty Consulting and the former head of FEMA. 
what what happened as a result of the FEMA going to a level one is referring to their National Response Coordination Center. This is nothing unique. Uh, we went to level one activity all the time in 2017 and 18 when the when the agency was helping to lead the nation through the crisis of Harvey, Irma, Maria, you know, the California wildfires, Florence, uh, you know, all the other the, the the hurricanes they hit. And so what you're seeing is is that. There needs to be a clear, consistent chain of command to help um, process resource requests from governors across all 50 states and tribal territories and island territories as well. Okay, interesting. I was going to say, what exactly is FEMA doing when they when they do that? And they're they're helping people get what they need, depending on what's needed in each different state and region. Absolutely. So HHS, while HHS and CDC are still in charge, they're the technical experts of this of this event. They understand the virus. They understand the epidemi- epidemiology, all of those aspects. But what FEMA does is helps the nation understand total asset visibility, for example, you know, how much supplies we have. Um, they also have the ability to track re- resource requests coming up from the local governments to the state governments, ultimately to the federal level. And the way this works is that disaster even this one, you know, for the virus support is federally supported, state managed, and locally executed. And so when a local government's capability has been exceeded, they call upon the state. When a state governor's capability has been exceeded, they call upon FEMA. And in this case, you know, they're trying to track resource requests. They don't have an unlimited amount of resources, and they have to prioritize these resource requests. But eventually, they activate contracts. They give these resource requests to the, to the appropriate agency that can fulfill it, and then they push it down through the pipe, through a governor, ultimately to the ground level uh, in, in local communities. So let's talk about supplies for a minute because um – I mean, that, that seems to be a huge part of this story. Uh, obviously, when, when you were at FEMA, for example, were you aware of how many N95 masks, you know, could be made and where they could be made or how many ventilators we as a country had, even in that national stockpile? I imagine FEMA was very well versed on what, what exactly we had. Did you ever think to push for, for more uh, such gear or supply or equipment? Absolutely, and here's here's what FEMA did about it, and this is what we did under my leadership, is we created what are called community lifeline concepts. It is now doctrine within FEMA. And the nation's got to realize this, that the infrastructure that we depend on on a daily basis is largely owned by the private sector. The, you know, the federal government really has no control over the, you know, a lot of the infrastructure. And so we went to the community lifelines concept to say, hey, what are the indispensable services that have to be maintained in any community, that if they're not maintained, people die or life routine is disrupted. And we rethought our plans on how we needed to get the private sector industry to the forefront of helping us overcome disasters and prepare for disasters, understanding the supply chains, the vulnerabilities, and rewriting and rethinking concepts to make sure that we're attacking disasters correctly, like this one. Brock, when, when you were part of, when you were head of FEMA, how much did it bother you that, um, that China was in charge of manufacturing so much of our, our medical supply, gear, and equipment? I mean, did that strike you as problematic? Absolutely. So we need a Buy American campaign again and to create, you know, American independence uh, for our public health mechanisms. I mean, we grow a lot of cotton in this country, for example, but we produce a very small volume of gauze pads or surgical aprons. And 
we have got to reduce our vulnerability and and control our own destiny uh, away from these other country, you know countries and i think that that's the biggest lesson learned that that that's got to overcome the other biggest lesson learned is the lack of business continuity plans in this country within our private sector and particularly the small business a lot of businesses are being impacted financially obviously and this is going to be a tough financial time for the weeks and months to come but we've got to instill business continuity plans in all businesses to you know and business interruption insurance you know for these companies in the future to help bolster and their capability to be able to go through these disasters as well you were once head of fema when you saw people buying toilet paper and bottled water and long lines at grocery stores what did you think other than gosh i'm glad i'm not in charge of fema right now <laughs> you know um we do not have a true culture of preparedness in this country, and I say it over and over again. And when I was in office, the goal, the first goal, there were three goals that we implemented at FEMA. The very first one was create a true culture of preparedness in this country. It doesn't exist. And panic ensues because people are not prepared. And, you know, the the thing about it is, is that we've got to go back and help citizens understand that they are the true first responder for anything that they face, whether it's an active shooter event, whether it's a cyber crime, whether it's a hurricane or whether it is the virus. So we have to give people tangible skills again. We've got to go back and teach people how CPR is done properly. We've got to teach people how to mitigate their homes, protect their businesses with insurance, or protect, you know, mitigate their businesses, you know, bolster their supply chains and their vendors. How do they meet their mission essential critical functions when they can't access their building, when they've lost a certain percentage of their staff, when they have lost access to resources? We've got to go back in and implement that. And the other thing is that's really killing us as a country is what is known as asset poverty. Too many Americans are highly leveraged. They do not have three to six months worth of savings that they can put their hands on. And we've got to go back and teach our kids and change our education system to focus on financial resiliency, teaching people how money works, how to budget properly, how to save, how to retire. But right now in this country, we teach kids that the SAT score is the most important score in their life when it's actually going to be their credit score. And we need to revamp, rethink everything that we do when it comes to giving people baseline education in this country. It sounds like the CDC and the FDA and maybe some others messed up in the um, in the early stages here, right, with testing and put us a few weeks behind, at least. Uh, as an emergency manager and consultant and executive, how important in your mind would it have been to have that information, even if it meant a lot of us, you know, tested positive, to have that information earlier on? Well, a couple, a couple things. You know, forget the test for a minute. You know, every American right now needs to, you know, needs to act as if the virus is in their community and heed the warnings. If every American does that and we do what the president is asking us to do for the next 15 days, then the impacts will be reduced. Forget the test. You know, um, the, the next thing is, is that, we, you know, we've got to realize that this is a virus we've never dealt with. It's not like we can create these tests out of thin air. There's a lot of science and, and you know, medical practice that has to go into creating the right test. And then you've got to mass produce it. And then you have to implement plans to disseminate the test. And so, you know, the federal government, is, you know, I truly believe they are trying to work as fast as they can to not only create the test, mass produce the test and put it out there, but people have got to back up and realize this is, you know, we've never seen this virus before. So the test didn't exist. Yeah, the next other thing countries, that's other occur- countries had it, though. Other countries seem to, to have it and test a lot of people more, much more quickly. I mean, look at South Korea. They, they had, you know, so many more tests going, didn't they? 
Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I can't verify what, what was being done in, you know, the other countries. But when it comes to our country, I know that, you know, that this is not something that we had readily available as tests. Now, will the system need to be rethought when it comes to how do we quickly create create a mass-produced test? What was getting in the way of us being able to do that from laws? You know, mm-hmm. you know are there things that we could have done for, for waivers from the FDA to, to speed up the process? You know, that's all well and good. I, but I, I go back to the cultural preparedness the greatest thing that needs to be done right now is citizens need to be taking the separation tactics that have been put into place by the president seriously. Finally, Brock, um, last question. I've seen varying degrees of reaction, uh, you know, on my social media feed and in my personal life with my friends and family. There are some who say this is ridiculous. We've gone way over the top. The economy is really suffering. We, you know, the flu is way worse. And I've seen on the other end, you know, people say, we don't know what this virus can do. Look at Italy. We need to be safe. We need to hunker down. Is the answer somewhere in the middle, or is it just, it, has it been overplayed? Well, yeah, sure. Has so, it been hyped? So what's the right balance? Well, you know, the question that I get as being a former FEMA administrator is, what kept you up at night? And a lot of people would ask me that. What, what really worried me the most? And my answer was always a pandemic event. Um, we don't have great experience with it. There's a lot of unknowns, and it really is going to depend on how quickly and how well community mitigation tactics or separation tactics are implemented. And, you know, if the president had gone, you know, the minute that we had learned about Wuhan and, and China and locked down the whole country, he would have been ridiculed from the moment of overreacting. You know, and so, you know, the, the, the problem is, is that now I think they're trying to strike the right balance of we've got to reduce the spread, flatten the curve. They're also taking tremendous action to protect the economy. Um, but I, I got to tell you, public health events scare me more than anything as a former FEMA administrator. And I appreciate the activities that are being put forward by the federal government at this point and at state and local. A former yeah. head of FEMA, Brock Long, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure. This is Jimmy Fallon with your Fox News commentary coming up. A lot of Americans are stuck working at home during this coronavirus outbreak. Amid all the offices and the schools and stores and other businesses closed, forcing people who can still work to do it remotely. And we caught up with a U.S. senator who's in the same boat. I am about a block away from the Capitol. I can see the Capitol uh, dome from uh, my window, but uh, I am quarantined, confined to my 300-square-foot palatial uh, studio. Senator Cory Gardner is a Republican from Colorado who's not at his office as a precaution under self-quarantine. You know, I'm sure there are some that uh, may have a little bit better abode, but uh, when I get the family here, I hop from the bed to the couch to the cot and out the door. (laughs) (laughs) So you have a small place to be for what, the next two weeks? No, you know, so so I am quarantined for 14 days. Now, that 14-day period started with the last contact I had with the person who sort of triggered the quarantine. So, uh, So Wednesday, the 25th, is when I am quarantined through. Should I not develop any symptoms or, or conditions? And at this point, I'm 100% fine, no symptoms, no conditions. Okay, you felt nothing, just felt normal the whole time? Normal the whole time, as normal as normal as I can be. All right, so how did you find out that this happened? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, I'm assuming there are thousands and thousands of people across the country that are having these same conversations. Uh, it was uh, around 4 or 5 in the afternoon, I get a phone call from 
the the Tri-County Health Department, and this was, I guess, on Tuesday afternoon, uh, the Tri-County Health Department that said uh, I had a meeting with a constituent in my office uh, that had been showing symptoms while he was in the office, and it was a personal meeting, you know, you know, in, in, in my official office uh, that was of sufficient concern to them that they said, you need to be quarantined. And so uh, that's how I found out was that Tuesday afternoon phone call from Tri-County Health, which is a, sort of a, it covers three counties in the Denver suburban area. But that, that meeting was last week, right? That meeting was last week. That's correct. And so, uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, on, on the 11th of March. So 14 days from the 11th of March. Were, when you met with this person... Did you notice that they might not be feeling well? You know, we met with so many people that day. I, I don't recall meeting with anybody who seemed that they were coughing, sneezing, feverish, sweating. Right. Uh, everybody looked fine, uh, but we did meet with a lot of people. I know that one of my Colorado counterparts who also met with somebody on the 11th of March, same day I did, is quarantined as well. So um, I'm assuming this group met with multiple people in the delegation. Right. Is that Congressman Jason Crow? Is that right? <laughs> Yes, correct. All yeah. right. Have you have you have you spoken to Congressman Crow as yeah. you as you both are self quarantined? Uh, he's 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 back home in Colorado, so at least he's he's at home. I got uh, you know sentenced here in Washington, uh, but uh, I did text him and asked him what kind of ramen noodles he was having for dinner. <laughs> so tell me, it has to be hard to be away from the action. Uh, you say you can see the dome, you can't be there. There is a lot going on. Is it frustrating? You know, it, it's frustrating that I can't be there to vote, uh, obviously, but I am very much participating in every negotiation that's taking place. I just got off the phone with the Secretary of the Treasury to talk about uh, concerns over IRAs and 401ks, as well as restaurant hotel uh, needs right now, uh, and what we were going to, what this third phase package would look like. Uh, I expressed some concerns uh, to my banking committee colleagues in the Senate about guidances on troubled debt restructuring. Uh, our banks want to help, but they're concerned they're going to get nailed by the regulators and penalized by the regulators if they help. So we're trying to get additional guidances to them. So uh, even though it's uh, only a couple hours into the workday here, uh, we've already burned up the phone lines and had to recharge my phone. Yeah, I know there is a lot of an effort to help small businesses and companies that have been hit hard, obviously forced essentially by the government to shut down to close. But as far as helping Americans, this idea of a check or two that would go out, how do you feel about that? Well, look, there there are many ways to do this. I had suggested early on that we uh, work through the unemployment insurance process to create a new category of of worker. It wouldn't require them to be laid off. It would not require them to be fired, but it would be a way to get assistance through an existing mechanism quickly. Uh, You know, maybe that's the way it goes. Maybe there is a a, a assistance direct benefit in the form of a check. It can't take six months. It can't take uh, a year. It's got to happen soon. Uh, We do need to have uh, have immediate relief. Look, this is different than uh, 10 years ago when you had bad actors doing bad things asking for a bailout. Uh, this uh, this is a virus that came out of the blue, uh, out of China, and uh, here we are today dealing with it. And uh, it's not a Democrat or, or Republican or a business creation, um, and that's why we have to deal with this. And we have to deal with it in a way, thank goodness our economy is as strong today as it was going into this, uh, because we're going to need every ounce of that strength once we get out of this. Now, as far as those checks are concerned, uh, the reason I, I, I keep focusing on it is because everybody wants to know... A, if they're going to get one, and B, how much it's going to be. 
Now, when you deal with this, I know that they want to have some means testing in the sense that uh, yeah, based right. based on income, I don't know what levels you want, but you know, people who live in big cities or in suburbs of big cities, a family of that has two working parents and maybe two or three kids, they might have 150000 or $200,000 in income, and it's possible that both of them aren't working or are having a lot less money come in, and they wouldn't get checks if, if you cap it at one hundred or 150000 So how do you decide who should and shouldn't get the money? Well, that's, a, that's one of the reasons why I thought going through an existing scalable mechanism like unemployment insurance would be a better approach, because you could make those kinds of uh, anomalies uh, into account when you did the funding for it. Uh, so, so that's being negotiated right now, because you're right, $1,000 in uh, Manhattan is different than $1,000 in Burlington, Colorado. Sure. Uh, and so, so there are multiple ways that we could have done this. Uh, you know, the most important thing is getting it done quickly and out the door effectively. And how... Is it that two parties who had impeachment drama and had their at each other's throats for the last three years of the Trump administration, how are you actually able to work together? Well, we just have to get you have to put all that aside. You have to. I mean, there, this is not a time for a sort of political point scoring. This is not a time to uh, take your your pet project that you've been trying to get done for. Uh, years to now use this uh, crisis as a moment to to, to score a victory. Uh, this is all hands on deck. If I could find a word that was more urgent than the word urgent, I would be using. <laughs> I understand. I do. But it, it 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 fascinates me to think that that Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, and President Trump could sit in the same room and work together because it was so nasty between the two. Well, you know, our parents taught us to turn the other cheek, uh, and uh, we have to do that and more at this time. And it is a challenge. You know, I remember it, it back going back to impeachment in January, uh, when the first sort of word of, of coronavirus was starting to leak out, and we know uh, that it was starting to spread. Uh, I, I had said, we need a hearing, and we need a hearing now, and we ought to delay uh, this start of uh, this day of I think it was the the last day of the closing arguments of the House, I think. So right around January 24th, I think it would be. And I said, look, we, we ought to all of us, every single senator ought to be in a closed door briefing with CDC, NIH, FDA about this new virus. Uh, we should do it now. Uh, instead of doing that, we got a, a briefing where like 10 of us showed up or maybe fewer. Uh, but everybody was focused on impeachment, and what a shame. Now, there are others in Congress who are also not at the Capitol. Congressman Mario Diaz-Balart, a Republican from Florida, and Ben McAdams, a House Democrat from Utah, were the first two lawmakers to become coronavirus patients, testing positive. Now, McAdams has described a fever and coughing and labored breathing as he deals with his infection, and Diaz-Balart says he's feeling better. House GOP whip Steve Scalise was in contact with his Republican colleagues, so, like Senator Gardner, he's staying home as a precaution. I'm feeling fine, and, you know, just out of an abundance of caution felt with... uh being with Mario last week, last Friday, we were meeting on a number of things, but, um, you know, just felt like the best thing to do would be to self-quarantine right now through the period, talk to the attending physician at the House, and that's what uh, he suggested, too. Now, Congressman Scalise told Fox Business Network's Maria Bartiromo. I've been on a lot of conference calls, uh, you know, of course, 
still dealing with so many different items that we're working on. So what happens if there is a huge spike of coronavirus cases and a lot of lawmakers are infected? I asked that to Senator Gardner. It's it's really amazing because the day that I was quarantined, I asked my staff to get me a report on what can be done procedurally, uh, how, how the steps work that require 60 votes, that require 51 votes, or just require a majority of members present. Uh, because, you know, th- there are certain things, if somebody objects, that are going to take 60 votes to overcome. There are certain things that require a certain number of votes. And I this is something we have to look at long term um, because we don't have a remote voting system. Um, you know, we can't do this uh, the way maybe we ought to look at in the future uh, because whether it's a pandemic or, you know, we've had ricin attacks at the Capitol and anthrax attacks over the years. Uh, this is certainly different. And uh, that's why I think we need to be thinking about this because we've had a, a coronavirus emerge you know, very rapidly over the last decade, a different kind of novel virus. And it doesn't look like that's going to stop for the time being. All right. Now back to you and your self-quarantine. What are you doing? How are you getting your food? Do you have all the toilet paper you need? Well, my, my, if I didn't have all the toilet paper I needed, apparently I wouldn't be able to get any more. <laughs> so, so, you know, I had a, a I'm not allergic to anything back home in Colorado, but I find myself allergic to Washington, uh, which is probably a good thing. Um, <laughs> so I had to have somebody drop off some Flonase at the office at the at the door today. So they just came over, dropped it off, knocked on the door, and ran away. Uh, and uh, you know, so so that's the kind of thing we're doing. I had uh, uh, you know enough ramen, I think, to feed a, 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 a for for a couple months here. So I oh, should be okay. But that gets old, doesn't it? Kind <laughs> of get old, yes. But you know. <laughs> Look, I laugh about it, but there are people who are in very, very serious, dire need. And I had talked to my office about making sure that we send out this message to people. Check your neighbor. Call your neighbor. See how they're doing. See if they need help. See if they need groceries. People that you've talked to, people that you haven't talked to, just reach out. Call them. Uh, You know, text them. Find them on Facebook just to make sure that everybody is okay, because we're going to get through this. We're going to be stronger than ever. We're going to unite as a country. Use this opportunity to make connections that maybe we've misfired on over the last several years. Well, I hope that it's uh, it, it, it's over for you like it's supposed to be next week and you can get back to it. Well, thank you. Uh, my, my, my place has never been as clean as it is uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all say that. <laughs> Senator Cory Gardner, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you. It's the Perino and Steyerwalt I'll Tell You What podcast. Dana Perino of The Five and Fox News political editor Chris Steyerwalt dissect the ins and outs of national politics. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. And now, some good news with Tanya J. Powers. Social distancing to help contain the coronavirus means people worldwide are coming up with creative ways to connect with each other while staying physically apart. One man in Boston is doing just that. Where it began, I can't begin to knowing, but then I know it's going strong. Mike DiCarlo reworked the words to the Neil Diamond hit Sweet Caroline, a favorite among Boston Red Sox fans. It now reflects a more coronavirus-esque lyric. Hands, not touching hands, not reaching out, not touching me, not 
touching you, sweet Caroline. Good touch never seems so good. Every night at six o'clock, DiCarlo takes to his apartment window in Back Bay to sing it to the neighborhood. Now others have started to join in for the quarantunes. Now I look at the night. It doesn't seem so lonely. It doesn't seem we'll fill so it only up with two. We filled it up with only. And when I hurt, hurting runs off my shoulders. <laughs> How can I hurt when holding you? Warm, not touching warm, not reaching out, not touching me, not touching you. Sweet Caroline. Just one way people are bringing a little good news to their part of the world. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Jimmy Fallon. What's on your mind? The NBA season has been suspended in an effort to stop the coronavirus. It's terrible news for the sports community, unless you happen to be a Knicks fan like me, in which case it comes as sweet relief. But with every major North American sports league suspending play comes an opportunity for all of us to compete in the ultimate team sport, stopping the coronavirus. This is certainly not the championship matchup we were hoping for heading into March Madness, but as they always say in sports, you have to play the teams on the schedule. And Team Corona has no shot against us if everybody on Team Humanity does their job. Sure, you can't hit a buzzer beater, but you can stop beating up your political opponent on Twitter. We're facing a global pandemic, folks. Now is not a time to be a Republican or a Democrat. It's time to be an American. Team Humanity needs a unified locker room, and that can't happen if we're getting called for technical fouls on social media. So when you're done cleaning up your act, be sure to wipe down your smartphone, because the only thing filthier than the language on Twitter are the touchscreens we're typing on. Staying calm at the game on the line is one of the biggest challenges we face. Right now, there's a lot of hysteria surrounding our opponent, most of which is fueled by misinformation online. If you're going to pass an update to one of your teammates, be sure it's from a trusted government agency, like the CDC. If the health tip is coming from a guy who's holding a beer in his profile picture, make like the Beatles and let it be. You also need to know that our team has a very deep bench, so there's no need to show up to work if you're feeling sick. Get some rest, watch some Netflix. Heck, you can even dress up as a mummy with all that toilet paper you hoarded. But by all means, if you're under the weather, make it a home game. And lastly, be sure to wash your hands everywhere you go and stay at least six feet away from people at all times. Not only will it help you avoid corona, but nobody likes a close talker. So don't be that guy or gal or mummy if you went with my previous suggestion. Look, team. This is quite literally the fight of our lives. But if everybody goes out there and plays the type of game we're capable of, there's no doubt in my mind we're going to take home the championship. Now on the count of three, let's bump elbows and go out there and win this thing. Check out Fox Across America with me, Jimmy Fallon, weekdays from noon to three on FoxNewsRadio.com and Fox Nation. 
You have been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to Fox News Radio's hourly newscast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, visit foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.